Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. I think that the SEC prepares us very well for the double L state tournament. Hello, and welcome back to High and Tight on Game Time CT. I am Scott Erickson. We are joined, as always, by Pete Baguaga. Pete, good morning. Good morning. It's nice to be back on Tuesdays. The semester is nice over. Tuesdays, yeah. Um, so we'll be able to do shows on Tuesday now. So thank you all for bearing with us. It's actually funny. I was at hand practice on Sunday. I was talking to a couple of guys after uh, Danny Weinstein and uh, Anthony DePino. And uh, they were like, yeah, you know, well, like, you know, it comes out on Wednesday. So they usually have game day. Tuesday, a lot of teams are practicing. So, yeah, we got we got to think ahead. You know, we, and for we, those that don't know, Pete has been teaching a class at sacred heart which is why southern, we've been doing southern. wednesdays but that is southern sorry southern southern southern, southern. southern. Sorry, so we doing wednesday sorry, semester sorry. ended well classes ended last week now i got i got a great finals later this weekend so I, that'll be fun that sounds like fun yeah it's all right we'll that sounds see. like fun but we're back uh, on speaking of fun yes so speaking of fun i am so jealous at this atmosphere that you were in last night I look, I'm looking at the photos and watching your videos, and I'm like, look at that crowd. Like, look, just the Southington side, there's all these, like, I don't know if they were JV kids. There's fans upon fans, like, up on the parking lot, up near the batting cages, out in the outfield. And I was like, this is what we've been missing. Like, look at this atmosphere. And that's just the photos and the video. So tell me what it was like being there last night. Well, I'll tell you this. um, East Catholic against Southington. Number one versus number three. It was a lot of hype going into that game. Frankie Mazzucato is pitching for East Catholic. Obviously he's, you know, there's usually 20 plus scouts at every game that he's, that he's throwing, Um, you know, Southington travels, you know, they pack well, uh, most of their games, East Catholic travels well, then added up, add on the fact that there were a buttload of postponements across the state yesterday because of rain on Sunday night. Yeah. This is the best part. This is, I, so I got there. So I was texting uh, coach Fiore before the game like, you know, just double checking. Is there anything I need to do? And I get there, like, has Southington said anything? And, you know, I double checking if the game was still on, you know, all this stuff. And he's like, get there early. He goes, we were told to get there early. Now, if you know me, I'm there at, you know, I like to get to games like an hour and a half before anyway. Yeah, like me. Um, yeah. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to get there at 4.30. Game starts at 6.30. I'm going to get there at 4.30. Southington doesn't have a lot of room to for us to do our jobs like no you got you got to post you know, up yeah yeah you got to post up if you're going to shoot video if you're going to shoot photos like you can't be standing behind anyone so i got there at 4 30 i'm hanging out i actually met frank mazzucato's dad he was standing like right next to me we, him and i were the only two people there other than the southington baseball team um so we were <laughs> so we were hanging talking um 
Adam Betts came from the J.I. Sean McFarlane showed up from the Hartford Current. So the three of us have like our mini press row. I, Multiple I saved, reporters means it's a big game. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, I saved them the spot and I said, I'll, I'll keep your spot, but you have to go get the lineups because I don't want to leave my spot. <laughs> um, which was that's, fair, that's a fair trade. Yeah, it was great. It was really good to see everyone. And then all of a sudden, as it got closer to game time, it started to fill up, right? More East Catholic fans, more Southern fans. It looked like the JV team for Southington was like they took like a school exit above. So they had like a nice view. Um, there were scouts that were lining behind home plate. And uh, all of a sudden I just see St. Paul showed up, you know, Ryan, Ryan Daniels and, and a couple of the Falcons, uh, Bristol central Tallinn, South Windsor. I'm reading off my Twitter because I just kept putting out there who was This is there. the coolest thing that these kids all came to that game. Woodland showed up. Sheen showed up. Weathersfield showed up and then Hamden showed up. And I have to give a quick shout out to Jake Paisano. One, he is a big presence. He's a big, he's like six, four, six, five. He's big. And I see them walking in and they're not even wearing Hamden stuff. So like, but I knew who they were. Yeah. And he's got this Dale Earnhardt Jr. NASCAR jacket on big <laughs> red jacket. I, I will, I texted Chris Borelli. I was like, this is the ugliest jacket I've ever seen. <laughs> But he he just he owned like he uh, Borelli texted me back. He's like this kid. He's like LOL. You know this kid. Uh, he goes to the beat of his own drum. And the kid is all time. I love it. Um, but there were other teams there who weren't in like they weren't wearing their hats or you know the uniform and stuff like that. But it was really really cool to see. It felt like a state title game where like yeah you know just kids who play and maybe they lost in the first second third round uh, the quarterfinals or the semis they go and they'll watch like two or three games that day yeah um it was really really cool to see it was jam-packed it was there were people standing in the outfield behind the fence um they had to keep telling the people in center field to leave because you know the batter's eye um, yeah. I didn't want anyone doing anything from back there, but like it was. Southington is such a great. Both of those are Southington and Manchester are such great baseball towns, and when they have a winner, they come out and support them. And you don't, we don't get a lot of one, three, you know, or top five matchups in the poll very often. Let alone but, an MLB prospect on the match. And, and exactly, and Frankie Mazzucato can go out there and just dazzle you. Dude, and, look at this. This is bad radio. But, like, look at this scorebook. It is the cleanest scorebook that I've ever had for a baseball game. It's all case. All case. He struck out 15 outs in a row with a walk thrown in there. We're strikeouts. And that's against a really good team that's been putting really up some good runs. I mean, I mean, that's not a, like a slouch team that he beat last night. That is le- legit number three team in the state. Yeah, they're, that's, a double, that's a double L contender. Oh, 100%. And like, if, you're, if they're in the semis or finals, you don't even blink. Yeah, but before, uh, before I gush more about how what Frankie did, um, da, uh, Dante Diamor for Southington pitched yeah. an awesome game. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I felt bad. Uh, granted, Frankie deserved everything that he got, all the coverage he got last night. I mean, you throw a no hitter with seventeen strikeouts against the number three team in the state, yeah, that's awesome. But Diamor pitched an awesome game, and he was for the first, I think, two innings, he was going with Frankie. And, you know, his – unfortunately, the defense didn't hold up their end of the bargain yesterday. A couple of errors, a couple of mistakes. A double play ball turned into, you know, second and third with no outs instead of two outs. And, you know, and it just kind of snowballed on them. He only went five. Without the errors, he probably goes the distance. And it's a really good pitcher's rule. It's a one nothing, 2 nothing game. 
I mean, he, yeah, East Catholic's first run was on a, on a fielder's choice. Uh, you know, he pitched really well. Um, that said, we'll flip the card to Frankie. <laughs> he, I mean, they were heckling. They were chirping. Nothing bad or inappropriate. No, but I loved I loved what he said after the game. He's like, yeah, I heard them chirping. He's like, I just went out there and struck them out. And that's why I, I tell my nine-year-olds that, like, you want that kid to shut up? Strike him out. Like, yeah. they, they don't say anything after that. Exactly. So It's like, part of the game. It's part of the game. And he said that in your interview with him. Like, this is part of the game. This is where the game's going. I love Look, it. As that's long as you're said. chirping and you're not being rude or, you know, offensive yeah. or anything. Chirp away. It was a great – it was probably the best atmosphere for a regular season game I've ever been at. That's that really said, it's cool, also yeah. the first no-hitter I've ever covered in baseball. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Well, it was crazy because it almost happened Saturday. Yeah. And I went to the close. Lyman Hall, Hamden game. Jack Lindbergh took a no-hitter to the seventh inning. Um, but it was awesome. And, look, he's good. I'm not a scout. I'm not going to sit here. And there are some people who send us like DMS and they'll send me video and they're like, cause you're an analyst. I'm not an analyst. This <clears throat> we're not scouts. No one, you know, Brian Cashman's not, you know, sliding into my DMS on Twitter. And it's like, Hey, what did Frankie Mazzucato do today? Like, you know, we're not. So whatever I'm about to say, you know, it's not technical. It's not, he was really good. Okay. And the fastball was awesome. And it looked really fast and the curveball looked unhittable. And, he was just, he just dominated. And like, he didn't, he didn't smile. He didn't frown. He didn't show any emotion on the mound. He just went out and did his job. He blew it past them and basically said, here's my 92 mile an hour fastball. I dare you to hit it. And they didn't, there was one ball. I told this to Frankie in the interview. It didn't make the, uh, the final cut, but there was one ball went into the outfield. Do you know how that happened, Scott? He tried to pick the kid off that he walked. Yeah. Who got to second on a, on a pass ball or a wild pitch. Yeah. He tried to pick him off at second base and threw the ball in the center field. But it didn't really go that far, so the kid stayed at second base. That was the only, so the ball, only ball that went in the outfield. Was a that was the throw, only ball that went throw. in the outfield. No, no one hit the ball in the outfield. No one hit the ball in the outfield. What was it? I'm taking my book back out. That ground book ball out. third, ground ball to Frankie. Um... Ground ball to third, ground ball to second. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It was awesome. It was a great day. It was a great atmosphere. It was so much fun. And he's a kid that is much must-see TV. Or must-see, not on TV, but must-see go. I mean, they're Must-see go. Must-see go. (laughs) That does not roll off the tongue as well. They're playing Adio Smith at Enfield, at Bristol Eastern, at Manchester, East Hartford, South Windsor, East Hartford. Now, Frankie pitches on Mondays. Mondays, yeah. So he's got Brist- he's at Bristol Eastern next Monday and and home against South Windsor the Monday after on the 24th because they don't do a CCC tournament. Right. Go and see him play. Go and see him pitch. He's worth the gas mileage or the gas price that you're going to have to pay to fill up your tank to go because it's really not a close drive. He is worth every single penny to go watch play. And then can I also say that there was another top 10 matchup yesterday in the state, uh, which is getting overlooked a little bit, but Staples and Ward was an awesome game yesterday. Uh, came down to the last inning um, and the kid, they hit a walk-off and Ward had a play that made uh, Sports Center top 10 when the kid crashed through the fence, knocked it over. Declan O'Hara, what a name. <laughs> a great, great name. name. Uh, and, and made the catch. Uh, there's video of it out there. 
Um, but that was one of the ones we had circled yesterday, you know, Ward Staples as, as another great game. It got a little overshadowed by East Catholic and Southington. Um, and then we have another great game today with one top 10 team and one team that I think belongs in the top 10, uh, Greenwich and Trumbull. And I'm going to go see Miles Langhorn pitch. Uh, and we'll see if he can keep up with Frankie because he's the, he's the number two guy as far as what we've heard anyway. Yeah. Oh, him, like, him, him, and, him, and him and Frankie are boys. Him and Frankie are boys. They, right, uh, they played together this summer. Yeah. <laughs> so that I always love that. But to Declan O'Hara, I mean, this catcher is amazing. Okay. Yeah. Number, amazing. Two, number two on SportsCenter last night, this morning. Unfortunately, the number one play was Taylor Hall scoring to beat the Islanders in overtime. So I shut it oh, off. Oh, you hate after. to see that. I was very upsetting. Um, <laughs> but for Staples, they get that home run. It's a three-run home run. They're up 6-1. Six, six, the game probably doesn't go to extras, and Staples probably wins. Yep. Um, but that's not the first time that that's happened to Staples, unfortunately. No, Cheshire did it in the state, in the state tournament to them. Yeah, just – they just – you know, just don't hit the ball to center field, guys. I mean, the that's kid really didn't go through the fence that time, but he went up and uh, over it. I mean, could we talk about that fence real run. quick? Could we talk about that fence real that quick? Fence like, at Ward. I mean, come on. I, I mean, mean, thank I, God. I understand. Thank God it broke because God forbid if that was like a solid fence, like what would happen? He probably knew that because he's the center fielder at his home field. But if that was like one of those fences that don't move. Well, it's not even, I mean, it's just like partition fence, which is the same thing they have at Staples. And a few others, you know, teams have to use that because those fields have to be used for Multiple. other sports yeah. when it's not baseball season. So, you know, Ward, if you've been to Ward, their baseball field's right there next to the stadium, next to the softball field. Yeah. So, and like Staples, they have that temporary fence. So when you crash into it, it goes over. Yeah. Um, probably or if it's super windy, it goes over. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I do. I do want to say one more thing about about Frank. But yeah, he might have broken his ribs if that was a solid pass. Yeah, but hell of a catch, Declan. Way to go. Um, but you know, I was leaving, and I was talking to Sean McFarlane, and um, we were talking about best pitchers and whatever, and like that we've seen, and like you know, Mike Burrows, obviously righty, you know, threw harder. Was a UConn commit as well, just like Frankie. He's got drafted, went to uh, signed with Pittsburgh, and is actually playing very well. Uh, I think he pitched the other day, and everyone on Twitter was going nuts about it. I mean, those two kids were the most dominant pitchers that I've ever seen, and East Catholic is the new number one. And I said this to you last night when I was driving home from Southington. I texted you before I finally left Southington at like 11 o'clock at night. And East Catholic is the number one team when Frankie Mazzucato is pitching. I say that with all confidence, and this is a great win for them. A double L win goes a long way for the voters. That said, <laughs> they're going to play an M. Yep. You know what I mean? They're going to play an M in the state tournament. And they, if you're going to want to be the number one team at the end of the year, you have to win M. Like if they lose one game in the state tournament, they're dropping down the pole. If you win M this year, I, I tip my cap to you because M is – loaded i mean you yeah. can say what you want about it being smaller schools the top of that class m is loaded oh of course of course and it'll be interesting now what southington does you know if southington wins double l that makes that goes huge for east catholic in terms of the voting in the poll and, and, like, I, and southington absolutely can win double l i mean yeah. without question double l is even more loaded like that, that tournament's gonna be preposterous but, but just the history of the poll i'm pretty sure a double L team has been the number one team in the poll every year, except for 2015 or 2016 when Sheen won class M 
And Sheen had beaten Amity twice in the regular season, though they yep. did. I believe they lost in the SECs, but Sheen was the number one team. And I think it's been a double L team every year since then, but I could be yeah. wrong. And that makes sense. If you, if you make it to that tournament, the, the thing this year will be if East Catholic goes into the tournaments as the number one team undefeated, they should, and they win. You can't oh, knock them out. You, they can't be knocked out at number one. Yeah, by a team the thing that, is, and this is, and this is the way that I vote. This way, I look at strength of schedule. Who you play, right? Remember when Cheshire won the title three years ago in eighteen? They beat like four top ten teams to win the state title. Yeah, that's impressive. That's you know, and again, we uh, when St. Joe's won in in twenty nineteen, I voted St. Joe's like eighth or ninth, I think. And the only reason was it wasn't anything against them. They didn't win a game in the FCX against the bigger teams. And then they beat and triple C's NVLs, you know, they had a harder regular season than they did a state tournament. So that's just kind of what I'm looking for. If, if East Catholic matches up against Waterford, I'm all about that. Or new Fairfield who is M or Brookfield who is M like they match up with those teams and they win. Those are great wins. Um, but I just think if you get to the double L's and you start looking, if Southington wins the whole thing and they beat, or maybe not Southington because Southington lost to East Catholic, but if Amity goes and wins the whole thing or Staples or Ward and they have, you know, four top 10 wins, you know, if you look at the poll and four of the top teams end of season with a loss to Ward or Staples or Amity, I, you know, it's going to be hard to not vote for those teams. It's be a tough call, man. It's going to be tough. You know, it's either going to be tough for Scott, the All-State team. Ah, forget that. I will I'm tell not, you this. Right. If I'm we, not even talking about that today. Dude, well, prepare for an email. I'm sending an email out to everyone about the All-State teams this week. I'll, I'll read your email, which will be long and detailed. But I'll tell you stuff. this. If we had to pick the team today, Frankie Mascano is my player of the year. I don't even think – not that it's not close. It is. I'm, I I think I got Mazzucato fever. Well, you got Mazzucato fever. That's why I said you last night. Yeah, and look, I got Mazzucato fever. And you're saying that with confidence, and there's a kid in Hamden who's hitting like 650. Oh, unbelievable. Uh, Juju, Juju has, I think, eight home runs. He's at three home runs in four games. There's so many. Um, I mean, I, again, I'm not going to get into this. Ryan now. Daniels has 10 home runs. I know. And his teammate is blasting ball, had six home runs in three games. Izzo. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, another it, it's kid. unbelievable. I mean, another like, kid at East Catholic, the shortstop, Alex uh, Irizzi. Yeah. Going to Maryland, he's a junior. He had three hits and three RBIs last night. Kid is good. Yeah, don't forget about him. He's going, yeah. going to Maryland. No big yeah, deal. Yeah, and they, I mean, they've really good. I mean, their second pitcher, TJ Wynn's really good. They're um, a great team. They got a great program. They, they, are, they do things they very well. They have good really good coaching staff. Uh, all coaches that coach at, you know, at, at, at college level for the most part, or at least I, the summer. Yeah. One more, one more thing about that. I just have to say is because this was adorable. Uh, as a former catcher, I absolutely love this. Um, Frankie, Frankie said, he's like, I've all, you know, the biggest, what did he say? It was something like, I get, I get the most confidence from Hank behind the plate. And as a catcher, you know, that I hold my heart. Like, you know, the pitcher gets a lot of the love and rightfully so most of the time, but you know, having a catcher behind there that you trust and that you're confident to throw to, and that that catcher makes you confident. It made my heart grow like three sizes. I, you know, I, I teared up. It was great. Uh, so speaking of beating number one teams in the state, uh, we are going to be joined by Shelton coach Scott Gura uh, coming up after the break, uh, whose team obviously beat Han last week. Uh, and that was from behind a great pitching performance. But then they also had a no-hitter last week from Benny Van Tyne. So we're going to talk to him about that. 
um, and just SEC baseball in general. So we will be right back with Shelton coach Scott Gora. All right, we are joined now on High and Tight by Shelton coach Scott Gora. Scott, welcome to the show. Uh, good morning, Scott. Thank you for having me. Um, it's been a wild season. I mean, can you believe it's only there's only like a week left in this thing? Uh, yeah, it has gone by like a blur, especially the fact that we've had less games this year. But, you know, putting everything – and I was thinking of this last night after we played um, Fairfield Prep, and unfortunately we got – uh, whooped up pretty good and I think they're the best team in the state and they're going to show that by the end of the year um, but just putting things into perspective that we're still in the middle of a pandemic and just having a baseball season this year along with the other spring sports really I, I told the kids you know I know you feel bad we beat hand the number one team in the state on Friday we come back today had a little letdown against Fairfield Prep, but you know what, guys, you're out here enjoying the sun. You're out here playing high school baseball. Your friends are playing uh, other sports at the same time, and, and you didn't have this opportunity last year. So, you know, just, just cherish it. You know, it, it, you're going to have wins and losses. You're going to have ups and downs, but, you know, there's a lot of bigger things that are going on in this world, and you guys are still getting an opportunity uh, of playing baseball. Well, I mean, that's stuff that's said to kids a lot, but it must really resonate this year, though. Like, appreciate what you got here, guys. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you're, you're going to have four winners at the end of uh, the season. But fortunately, hopefully everybody thinks that they are a winner this year because they got to play games. You know, I would have I signed up at the beginning of the year for five games, we said, because <laughs> you were still – up in the air of whether you were going to have games or not all the way to a week before the season, you always had in the back of your mind, whether we complete the year, whether you'd make it through the year, whether you were going to have kids that were quarantined, a team that was quarantined, uh, which almost everybody in the state has one of the above. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, it's just nice that we got to get outside a little bit. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, we got to talk about that hand game because I was at the first one. Uh, we, you know, we obviously spoke after the game. You know, you guys were the better team for most of that game. Um, couple of balls go the other way. You know, you guys end up losing. And then you come out Friday under the lights of Shelton. Uh, one hit them. Connor Jensen coming back from, con from a concussion that he got in the hand game, uh, covering home plate on a pass ball. You know, what did you, you know, say to the guys maybe before, like, you know, I, you know, I don't want to speak for you, but I'd be like, you know, and you said this, we had them on the ropes the first time, you know, you knew that you can compete with them. And, you know, is that something that maybe the team took into the game like that? Hey, we had them. So now we have to do it for seven innings. Well, I think that uh, Pete, the first time we played them, uh, Benny Van Tyne, our little uh, crafty lefty. Very, uh, very crafty. Him. Kept him off balance. You know, I, I don't know if he could break a pane of glass with his fastball, but he, uh, you know, throws that nice little lefty curve up there and and um, they just didn't see him well. And we had him on the ropes for six innings, but the type of team that Travis has and the uh, great coach that he is, you know, they they just were able to, to come back. We did make a, a few mistakes. 
I did relieve Ben with Connor Jensen. I think Connor threw two pitches. Connor got the concussion on the second pitch, and he was covering a home plate, and people were asking, how did he get a concussion? You know, did he get hit in the head with the ball? And it was when he was covering home on the wild pitch that the player slid in and the back of his foot or leg caught Connor in the head and kind of knocked him dizzy for a second. And Connor didn't know where he was. He did not know who he was playing. So I had to immediately bring another pitcher in. And that pitcher, yes, he gets as many pitches as possible to warm up, but it's not the ideal situation to have. And I think that that hurt us a little bit. And Connor, after the inning, was woozy on the side, and he went home with his mother to go get checked out at the hospital where he was diagnosed with a concussion. But that evening when I called him, he said, Coach, I'm pitching against hand the next time. I'm telling you right now, I am pitching against hand, and I'm getting revenge. And I said, well, Connor, if you're cleared, we'll see the situation or how it matches up. That's good to hear, but you know, we'll figure it out in two weeks from now. And he was cleared by his doctor. He was cleared by his trainer. And we knew it was going to be that Friday. And that's when we played hand and he was ready to go. He was fired up. The kids were fired up. Uh, and he pitched one of the most dominating performances I've seen in, in recent years. I've had some stud pitchers over the last few years with Ryan Testani and Ryan Dice. And I had uh, Mike Cowell a few years ago, but what Connor did against the number one team in hand where he had 14 strikeouts and he only gave up an infield single that possibly could have been, could have been played and he would have thrown a no hitter, uh, but it was just a great performance. And, you know, finishing the game with a strikeout with the bases loaded and knowing how hand has come back from about three or four uh, deficits late in a game or even in the seventh inning, I knew that game was not over until the final out was yeah. recorded. And but there's no uh, way Connor's letting you take him out of that spot. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm glad he didn't have to throw another wild pitch and cover home plate. Yeah, I mean, he, he, I mean, that's just, it's a great story, obviously. I mean, Connor, he can pump it. Um, and it was just, it was great to see our, our uh, Bill Bloxham wrote a story on it uh, the next day. And now that's the, that's the beauty of baseball right there, you know, to get another opportunity to get another crack at it. And, you know, you guys are sitting now at seven and seven, um, but you guys have played a really, really hard schedule. Um, you know, the SEC is split up into their divisions to share a lot of interdivision play, some crossover, not a lot. And you guys are with Amity and Hand. And I think uh, you I guys don't have Xavier, but yeah, you guys have prep. <laughs> I mean, you know, being seven and seven, you have four games left on the schedule. Uh, we'll see how many of those you guys are able to get in with everything going on. But, you know, how does this schedule prepare you guys for the double L tournament? Because this is a program that has won a state title before. You know, when people think of Shelton, they think football. Right? But this is a good baseball program that you've won state titles, coach. Like the program has, but you have as well. Yeah, thank you. We, uh, we were fortunate enough to win it in 2012, and we've had uh, a great deal of success over the last few years in the program. Um, you know, playing six games, the ones that you just listed, Pete, Fairfield Prep, 
Daniel Hand and Amity. And Amity, by far, Sal Coppola has had the best program in the state of Connecticut over the last 20 years. I, I think he's the best coach uh, besides Bob DeMeo, who's been around since the dark ages. And Bob is an incredible <laughs> Hall of Fame coach. Uh, but Sal runs an incredible collegiate program at Amity and playing them every single year for the last 45 years with the Housatonic League and then the Housatonic Division and then the Southern Connecticut Conference. Um, you know, those are always two, two big games, and we haven't beaten Amity since uh, 2015 when we shared the, the division title with them. Uh, but having Hand and Prep and Amity, I mean, you have six games right off the bat against three teams in the top 10 of the state of Connecticut. Um, you know, so, so it's tough right from the get-go. So, yes, Pete, I think that the SEC prepares us very well for the double L state tournament. Uh, you have four teams in the top 10 that are in the SEC with Hand, Amity, Prep, Hamden, who we did not see this year, but playing three of those teams this year, you're already looking at six tough games for us and being seven and seven, we have had a very difficult uh, schedule this year. And that hopefully benefits us going into the state tournament uh, in two weeks. I don't, it's a long shot for us to qualify for the SEC tournament, uh, but just being ready for double L in the competition that we have, we always, as coaches in the SEC, say that we have by far the best uh, conference in the state of Connecticut. I know the last few years, St. Joe's has won a state championship in uh, the M division and Staples has won it. But the SEC, for a number of years, I think it was like a 10-year streak, has had at least one state champion. And there's been years where we've had two. And I think there's a distinct possibility of one of those double L schools winning it this year and then maybe even hand yeah. winning the L division. So that that really speaks volumes for the talent level that we have in our conference, along with the article that you wrote, Pete. You know, you got the kid from hand to Pino. You got the two Amity kids and Holt and Stevens. You got Pisano for Hamden. Nobody talks about Xavier, who's had a, a great season this year with uh, Nick up there. Nick's a very good coach himself with Lappy for Xavier. So, you know, the, the conference is loaded with talent. And I think the conference is also loaded with very good, talented coaches. And that adds to it. Because when you have talented coaches, the teams are going to be good also. Yeah. I mean, you, so you every look single... Well, you Every and I spoke, game that we yeah. have is a battle. Yeah, I mean, you you and I spoke in the preseason just about the coaches in the SEC. I mean, you just go yeah. around, right? You got Rudy, uh, Borelli, you, Coppola, LaPointe, uh, Nick. DeMeo. Uh, DeMeo, yeah. Obviously, <laughs> you know, you have, um, you know, Nick at, at Xavier and Martone at Notre Dame West Haven and Ronnie at West Haven. And you just go around and you say all these names of these coaches and you're like, any of those teams can be good, like depending on the year, depending on what they got, but they're always going to be competitive. And absolutely, you know, it just seems like 
you know, you could take those punches, maybe get in with a 500 record or a little bit above a 500 record. And then you get to the tournament and those first couple of games might be a little easier than, you know, your regular season game. And, and we see that in conferences like the SEC, the FCAC, you know, the SWC this year is very competitive. Uh, and, uh, you know, baseball wise, you know, one game playoff, you know, it's not a series like, you know, having that playing in those games, playing against those top teams consistently, like when you get to the state tournament, like, not that it's nothing, but it's nothing that you haven't seen before. You know, it's not new. Unless you get an SEC team in the first round, which is very Yeah, possible. which is always possible. <laughs> right. We, we need to start having it where the uh, NCAAs don't allow you to play a conference opponent in the first round. Do they still have that for basketball? Yeah, and that's the yeah. way it should be. That's the way it should yeah, be because uh, for high school. I know it's hard, but. There's been uh, – plenty of instances where FCX schools have played FCX schools and a majority of double L is FCX and SCC. So, yeah. you know, we match up with the Hamden or an Amity in the first round, and then you have a Staples that matches up with a, a ward or somebody. And it's, you want to, you want to see somebody else once in a while. And it's, it's tough, but it does prepare us in the long run. Nobody wants to play an SCC school in the first round. Um, you know, with, with my choices of pitching, you know, I have, I have somebody that we don't even talk that much of in Anthony Steele. Um, I wouldn't want to face him in the first it, round. Who, yeah. He brings it like 89, 90. Um, you know, he's had a little difficulty with control issues, but if he ever puts it together in a game, he's almost unhittable. The first time he pitched against Amity, he, uh, he threw, three innings worth and he struck out six of the first nine batters against Amity. And then they were able to figure him out a little bit. But if I throw him or even Jensen in a game, I feel confident that we could stick, stick in a game with anyone. And Ben time through a no hitter too. Yep. And, uh, and Benny, when he's, when he's on, you know, he, he fell a little behind yesterday against prep. And like I said earlier in the, in the interview, I think, I think prep, to me is the odds on favorite to win the, the States. Rudy is an excellent coach down there and he runs a, a mini college program right on the Fairfield university campus. So, um, you know, we saw it firsthand for two games, both at our place and down there yesterday that, uh, you know, they're, they're loaded one through nine. And when Bowery, Jack Bowery pitches, they're, they're in good shape. Yeah. They, it, it's just, it's crazy to look at like even the SEC tournament and you know i'm not i i learned during hockey this past year not to try and figure out who's where until al announces it because i just confuse myself because some games count some games don't you know it's all over the place i try not to guess but that tournament's going to be loaded i mean that's going to be it's it's just it's good baseball i mean that's really what it comes down to there's not a bad game and uh between those top teams and it's just it's a fun ride and you know we talked you know we talked at length about the senior class and that's not even including some of the juniors, you know, you know, drew crone at Xavier. Uh, and there's a lot of other good talented seniors as well across this league. And it's just made it a really fun year. I mean, Saturday I went over to Lyman hall on a whim just to go watch the Hamden Lyman hall game. Cause there was nothing to do on Saturday. And Jack Lindbergh took a no hitter to the seventh inning, you know, and he's, you know, Max Gross is there, is their number one. You know, Lindbergh is a very good number two. And they got a guy like Paisano hitting in the middle of the order who's batting about 680. 
Yeah. So like you just look at it and you go, you know, if Sheen gets in or if Sheen, if Shelton gets in and you go with Steele, Van Dyne, uh, Van Tyne and, and Jansen, I don't think that would surprise anyone if you guys want. You know what I mean? Like you could look at any team, one through eight, whoever makes the tournament, every one of those eight teams could win could, could win the league tournament. I think the SCC tournament is harder to win for our conference than it is for the state state championship because we are so loaded with uh, talented teams and talented programs in, in our conference. And that's why year after year, we have a finalist. We have a state champion for the SEC, and it's of the um, higher classes, L or double L. Usually you see Amity going far, or you see, uh, you know, North Haven the last few years going far, even when Sheehan was bumped up. And Daniel Hand um, recently has gone far. And then you you throw in the Sheltons and um, – you know, some of the other programs, Xavier went far a few years ago. So everyone, you know, Chris Borelli does an incredible job at Hamden too. And don't be surprised if they, if they win a state championship or the SEC uh, tournament, it, it is just a loaded, loaded conference. Coach, uh, when we talk about these tournaments, we've talked about them being a single elimination thing. Would you ever like to see the state tournament go to more like of a Legion thing where you get some pods and you got to have some playdowns and little series to, to get through? Or do you prefer the, the one and done type thing that they do now? Uh, that's an excellent question. I, I actually would like to see the state championship be, um, you know, multiple game situation. I don't think that would ever occur. Um, because the best team does not always win, but I think in a series, uh, like maybe a two out of three, um, but a pod like a regional and super regional, like the College World Series does. The only issue with that, Scott, is that we are backed up at graduation and we are backed up with the school year being over. And you look at some of the Catholic schools, they're already out as early as next week for some of them. And you have St. Joe's, you have Xavier, you have Notre Dame of West Haven, and, and they're finishing early on, and they're, they're playing games, Fairfield Prep, they're playing games, and, and their school year is already over. So just getting them motivated to get, to get out of bed a little bit at you know, 10, 11 o'clock, have a practice, or get ready for a game at 3, and you know how teenagers are. These kids are waking up at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and oh, it's must difficult. be nice. <laughs> Must be nice. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I so, could sleep past eight if I tried. I think it, that would be great, but I don't know if it would, would ever happen. Um, but, I, it, you know, it is a kind of a little war early on because I was, I am not, I am certainly not. One thing that I am not in favor of is the back-to-back -back days of having first round, second round on two consecutive days. And, you know, if you ever have rainouts, there was one year, I still remember in 2016, uh, we had first round, second round quarterfinals on three days in a row. And That's we crazy. had Mike Cowell, who pitched the first round, who went to Fordham and had a successful career. And he was, he was up, I think, uh, for player of the year for the state that year with the kid that went to, to Bryant a few years Jimmy, ago. Jimmy Titus. Yeah. Yeah. Jimmy Titus. And, 
And uh, he pitched the first round and we had Amity in the quarterfinals and we had no rest. And Mike would have been lined up on regular rest to play Amity in the quarters. And, and we got beat up pretty good because I had to pitch my number three pitcher yeah. in the quarterfinals of the state tournament. So those back-to-back days are, are really tough. And I don't think it's always the best team that wins. I think it's a slugfest early on to get to the quarterfinals. You know, if you get out of the first round and second round, then anything can happen. But I don't think always the best teams win those rounds. That's why you see so many upsets early on. Well, because any team could have a great pitcher. So you can go to that first round. I mean, there's very few first round games where you're like, this team's definitely going to win. You know, once in a while there is. But Otherwise, every game's a toss-up in the first round, which is crazy. For, yeah, and for if, a you have an, if you if you're an 11 seed, a 13, a 14, you have a really good number one, like who won seven of your eight games. Like, correct, you might be the favorite yeah. in that game. I mean, I remember a couple of years ago. I'm sure you do too, Coach, because uh, Sansone, you guys probably faced him at Notre Dame. Him and Burroughs go like eight innings against each other up in Waterford, and it's a one nothing game that goes like yeah. 10, 11 innings, and. Waterford wins like one nothing, two to one, whatever it was. It was a great pitching matchup between two very good pitchers, and then Waterford lost in the next round right. against a team. They were the two seed, and they lost to a team that was a much lower seed who had a better number two. And like, yeah, it, that is part of the game, right? You need depth, you need this, but you know, if that was a series, you know, who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, and- the first. The first round game, there are a lot of upsets. Like you said, Pete, everybody has a number one and you could have a team that goes nine and 11 and that ace pitcher went seven and oh. So they're facing somebody else's ace. And, you know, it's a tough one right off the bat that, uh, you know, you see immediately for that, uh, that 132 game. Right now, you know, coaches, all coaches are already looking at the, the uh, rankings for the state tournament. And, you know, you want to avoid the one through five, the one through sixes. So you're not a, a low seed. So, you know, you want to hopefully be in that middle tier to get a, a game that's more equal to your ability, like, a, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, somewhere that it looks like we might possibly match up with right now if we don't uh, get any more victories, because at at seven and 10, we get in with the um, 40 percentile uh, this year. And we lost the game to East Haven because they were quarantined and they're not making up every game. So that's another issue that, you know, back to the first thing we spoke about in the interview of just having the opportunity to play games this year. You have some programs that have already been shut down. You have some programs that haven't played in two or three weeks. So you know, just being lucky, knock on wood, that nothing has happened to us and the kids have been able to be safe so far. Um, you know, there are teams that are going to play the minimum of 10 that get into the state tournament and some that play 18 and some that play 13, 14. It's going to be a, an a wild year. It's going to be an interesting uh, tournament. I'm just happy we have one. We're being honest, like the car and uh, I've, I like the conference tournaments. I've been on record saying that I want to just get to States. And if it means no conference tournament means maybe series or a pod type system, I don't think the conferences would ever let go of the conference championships, but I do like them, but I'm so excited. I love the state tournament. I love the run. I mean, if I'm a coach, I would hate it. 
um, because of all the reasons that you mentioned, but doing what we do and getting like, there's really good games every day. And it's the thing that I don't like is that they're all at the same time. (laughs) So like, you can't go one and another, like can't go to a four o'clock and a seven o'clock or three 30 and a a six 30. But um, there's always like, there's always five good games to go to. And you're like, where do I go? Do I go here? Do I go here? Do I go here? Um, But I'm just happy it's back. I mean, last, the state tournament in 2019 was so much fun. Uh, it was a really great run for a lot of teams, not just the teams that won. And uh, it was exciting. So I'm just happy it's back. Personally. Yeah. That, you know, you mentioned that about like a three 45 or six o'clock start. That's one thing that the state has kind of shied away from in the first and second rounds is having night games because they feel it's an advantage for that home team to get a night game early on. But there's that catch 22 that whether it's the quarterfinals or the semifinals, that team you play in the quarterfinals or semifinals also might not have had a night game all season long. So there is still an advantage if that I mean, team has light. But you've earned that advantage game. by being the top seed. Yeah. Correct. But also, yeah. I mean, think about a 3:30 game. Let's say, you know, because Killingly is going to finish with a home with a home game uh, in the Class M tour tournament killingly is really far away even from schools that are near killingly so if you draw <laughs> killingly in the first round of the class m tournament what time you gotta leave for a 3:30 game yeah, about st saint- joe's what yeah. if st joe's has to go to killingly in the first round yeah I mean, they had to do it in, they had to do it in football i think a couple of years ago but how do you what time do these kids are gonna get out of, like let them play a night game then so they don't have to right. leave it exactly. one o'clock to yeah, get there before that, they, they, they're barely going to school that day. I mean, you're no, I like know what I'm just saying is like, why not give them a night game if there's going to be some big we played, we played two or three years ago. I think we played Manchester and we had to leave school at like uh 12 o'clock in midday for a three o'clock game just to get there for BP and warm ups, etc. Because it's an hour and a half bus ride. That's why I always look to see where like NFA is. Because I don't want to drive from Shelton to NFA. We'd have to we'd have to uh, take off the night before and get a hotel up there just to just to play. Oh, the kids would love that. Yeah, <laughs> real a real road game. That's right, like college. All right, we're gonna do, Pete a little rapid fire. Yeah, a little rapid fire to end this interview. Coach Scucker, thank you so much for joining the show. I really appreciate it. Always good to talk to you. Um, I lived in Ansonia for a couple of years, so I think I might know some of these answers, but I could be wrong. But oh, if geez, we're going to go... You might, know, you might know more than me then. <laughs> if we're going to go uh, if we're gonna go cover a game at Shelton, where do we eat before the game? Oh, Porky's, definitely. Porky's, Porky's Bar and Grill. They got the best wings around, and they also, I think, have the best pizza now. So uh, shout out to Porky's in downtown Shelton. Ah, I like Porky's. Are they, they're, so they're open after the game then too, I assume. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Before, right, after. <laughs> uh, uh, who is the best player that you've coached at Shelton? Put you on the spot. Uh, all around player, um, best player, pitcher and hitter and fielder would probably be Mike Cowell. The best pitcher I've had was Ryan Testani, who went to Seton Hall. Uh, those, you know, and of course you want to go with somebody that won you the state championship, and two of them were part of that part of that team. So uh, I've had I've had some real good ones. That's a, that's an excellent question, but those <laughs> two are right up there. And Anthony Anthony, I would say, is one of the best 
hitters I've ever seen. I mean, he's batting 560 this year with four home runs. We thought maybe he would have had a uh, chance at the single season home run record of nine. He's not going to get that now, but uh, that actually was set by my father, Howie Gurra. Back no in the way. 50s. Yeah. So, <laughs> so are you, was, just, are you, are you benching that? him? Are you benching him late yeah, in the game so he doesn't he get the was, home run record? <laughs> my, my father told my father told me if he gets close, then, uh, you know, I got to sit him down for a few games, him and <laughs> him and Jamie Shilkowski, who went and uh, played in college uh, when he played for Eddie Morocco. So that that's uh, the, that's nine. So what I know it was rapid. Dad, what year did your dad set that record? He set that record in 66. Well, that's a wow. long time, man. That's I know awesome. that was wooden bats, too. So, <laughs> wow. You know, I don't know. I think I still think Anthony could hit a couple of homers with a wooden bat. I've seen that ball oh, yeah. off his bat. Holy crap. I agree. I don't know. Your dad might have had a faster exit below. I'm not sure. <laughs> I know. Well, Anthony, on Friday night, on Friday night, I think Anthony, uh, the ball he hit on the first pitch he saw against hand that set us up one, nothing in the bottom of the first, I think that ball's still going. The only part that might not have left was Yellowstone. So, you know. All right, coach. Thank you so much for joining us. We really do appreciate it. We'll see you out there on the field. Good luck the rest of the way, maybe the sec tournament and definitely in the state tournament. So thank you so much, coach. You're welcome, Scott, Pete. Thank you very much. You guys do a great job and I appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much Thanks, for joining coach. us. Appreciate it. Take care. We are back on High and Tight. Um, man, these coach interviews are the best. Like Scott Gura, another good one. Um, I feel like we could talk to these guys for like two hours easily. I, I do. When I, I, go- I, we get to a point, I'm like, oh man, we got to stop this. Like, I just want to keep going with this conversation. Like, <laughs> when I, I go- loved, I love talking to baseball coaches. It's like my favorite thing to do. Like, when, I just love when, to chat with baseball coaches. Yeah. Whenever we do, a, whenever I do a feature short, I always like to go to practice instead of a game. I think I might. Yeah, because you get to really talk. Yeah. But I could just sit and talk to the coach for half an hour and maybe use five minutes of that interview for the story. Yeah, and I, you exactly. know, you sit and you just. You just talk baseball and you just talk guys around the state and players and coaches. And it's really incredible. Uh, Again, not going back to to Monday night's game, but seeing all those kids from other schools there. Yeah, that's the best part. It really is the best part. Really cool. And And they're paying attention. Like they know that game's taking place. They knew that, you know, they're obviously their games got moved or whatever. And they were like, let's hop in the car. Let's go up there. Hopefully they were all sharing the poll. And being like, oh, look, they're playing. I think that they look at it. They they listen. And I mean, they're, they were aware of that game. I mean, that would have been hard. Like when I was in high school, I wouldn't have been like, oh, the Southington East Catholic's going to be huge tonight. I got to get up there and go see that. Like you have no idea. Like back, I mean, even back when I was in high school, it was all word of mouth. You know, when I was in high school, Danny Green, uh, who's in the NBA, won a couple of titles with the Spurs. Uh, He went to St. Mary's, which was on Long Island and like, that was word of mouth. Like you go to school on Friday and it's like, what are you doing tonight? You know, what's everyone doing? It's like, Oh, we're going to St. Mary's to see Danny green. You're like, who the hell is Danny green? (laughs) And he goes to North Carolina and uh, you know, you know, back then it was word of mouth and you know, now everything's kind of right there. Uh, But everyone knew everyone was there. It was really, really cool to see. It was a great atmosphere to be a part of, but we have a I lot hope some more. kids come down today. I mean, if if you if they're, if you're only practicing, you don't have a game, and you can get to Greenwich. Greenwich is a little out of the way for a lot of people, you know, like little little out of the way. Yeah, I mean, Manchester and uh, you know, Southington are easier to get to, obviously. But 
Um, and you have to deal with the traffic going to Greenwich. But hey, I mean, I would say it's worth it. I think Trumbull has uh, arguably, but I think they have the best lineup top to bottom in the FCAC. Um, you know, they did a really good job up at Ridgefield the other day against their ace, Castelluccio. Um, they just hit top to bottom. They hit. So I'm really interested to see how they handle Langhorn, how Langhorn handles them. I want to see the scouts. I want to get the atmosphere. And like you, I'm going to be there super early because you know, Greenwich is the same sort of deal. Like not a lot of good places to stand to watch the game. I got to get, I got to get my little nook next to the dugout so I get some video and, um, I'm, in, I'm super pumped for, for this game. Yeah. I mean, that's a great one. Uh, we have a rematch of Amity in hand, uh, hand came Wednesday, back yeah. Amity last time, different Amity team, but also a different hand team, a team that, you know, did lose their first game on Friday, but I was there on Sunday Sunday morning practice and they were in good spirits. Um, Eli Davies, their left fielder was the goalie for the last two years of the hand soccer team. If you know anything about soccer, they're good. Uh, they won four straight title, four straight state titles this year. There wasn't a state title and they went undefeated and won the secs. Um, he spoke to the team about how you have to rebound from losses and, you know, Anthony DePino, who's one of the best players in the state. And he told me after he goes, you have to listen to a guy like that. Because he's a guy that's who's awesome. Done it. That's awesome. And uh, you know, for a kid to stand up and say that to his teammates, first year playing varsity baseball, um, you know, it was it was really cool to hear that. And uh, I wrote a story about them and that. But that's a great game. That's Wednesday. Um, you know, Woodland and St. Paul got moved to today, Tuesday, four forty-five. Woodland, really good team. I think they only have one loss. St. Paul. Now they're officially undefeated. I mean. So and we can talk about that for a second. They lost over the weekend uh, in the game, but the pitcher that they were facing went over his pitch limit and faced another batter. So by CIAC rule, that game was forfeited. Uh, the oh, Naugatuck I didn't pitcher. know that was confirmed. Breaking news. Yeah, I mean, well, so it says on the thing that they won. They beat Naugatuck by forfeit. Yeah. Um, and that's what happened is the Naugatuck pitcher went over his limit and then Woodland was awarded the win, even though Naugatuck actually won the game. So Woodland is still undefeated. Now. They have a really tough week. I think they have St. Paul and Holy Cross this week. Um, so that will be really you know, tough have, for them. But St. Paul and Sonia, Holy Cross. Oh, and Sonia's good, too. I mean, yeah, look, if they get Palmer, watch out. Palmer's pitching awesome for Ansonia. Um the NBL has always got the, the top. Of the NBL is always really tough. They're like, always so gritty and they just grind, but that's a great game this week as well. I know Ryan Daniels DM me or he tweeted at me last night. He tweeted about something to Frankie and I, I was in the tweet. And I'm like, dude, like you didn't come over and say hi. And he's like, Oh, I didn't see you until after the game, but like you can come say hi today at four 45 at Woodland. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's a pretty gonna, good game. I don't know yeah, if, you, if you're gonna get I'm over not there, gonna, but. I'm not around tonight, so I'm not gonna be able to make it. But yeah. um, that's a really good game. Um, I mean, Norwalk McMahon, both two teams are first year, second year coaches, first year coaching. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, they're playing on Wednesday. Waterford's got Fitch, Hamden, and Prep are playing on Friday, which I might go down to. Um, Thursday, I think I'm going to Westport to see Staples and West Hill. Carter Kelsey's pitching. And then Saturday night, I believe it's Saturday night at 7 o'clock. Let me pull up the hand schedule because I think it's Saturday. Yeah, they're playing a Saturday game at Palmer. They're playing Xavier. That's going to be a really good game, too. Xavier's kind of flown under everyone's radar, but they're really solid. 
they're really solid. I don't think they've gotten many votes in the poll, um, which is surprising. it's uh, it's hard. Like we like we talked to Scott Gurr about that. There's like six you know SEC teams, and they're like, oh, I'm not going to vote for another one. But Xavier certainly deserves Xavier, to be in Luke that Lappy, conversation. Drew Drew Crone is awesome. He yeah. is so good. I saw him put one onto the Wilbur Park Crossway, which is the Merritt in Hamden, right over the left field fence. Um, yeah, it's very it's get we're getting there right we're getting to the tournament we're getting to the conference tournaments and then we're gonna get like a week left in the playoffs oh god i think we got a little bit more than a week thank god but it's getting there and well about i mean a week and a half i mean this is going out on this is going out on tuesday may 11th may 12th a month from tomorrow june 12th for June, what I said, May 12th? May 12th, that's that, which is actually tomorrow. Yeah, a month from tomorrow, <laughs> a month from tomorrow, we will have four state champions crowned by the end of that day. Crazy. First state champions crowned in over a year in Connecticut and yeah. in any sport. Um, so we're, I'm, I'm so excited. 19. I'm so excited for that tournament. It's been a really fun season. Trivia um, question, Scott, who is the last state champion crowned in Connecticut? Hmm. St. Joe's? No, they didn't win the last game. Waterford? No. Well, no, uh, in any sport. Oh, in any sport. Yeah, the last state champion crowned. Oh, it's probably boys volleyball? No. No? Dairy on the cross? The last state champion was fall of 2019. Oh, you're right. Of course. Newtown? No, Newtown football. I was in the wrong sport altogether. <laughs> yeah, you were. I believe the last baseball state champion crowned was St. Joe's. They St. played. St. Joe's, the yeah, yeah. They yeah. played the last game and beat Wolkett. Yep, uh, that was the last game. I, I mean, that, that's I remember that. Uh, yeah. But you're right. Yeah, they did a fall. I, I totally forgot. Fall 19, of course. Fall 19. Uh, yeah, and, and football was last. And oh man, what a! I mean, that that's like one of the greatest state championship wins in the history of Connecticut sports. Like, yeah, that so, Newtown yeah. win is legendary. Like, well. Well, we're going to have state champions this year, uh, this season. So I'm very excited about that. Um, it's, I mean, I'm like, I'm not that I wasn't into baseball. It was just, you know, it was a long year and it was kind of hard to get comfortable and get really back into everything. And now I feel like we're hitting, you know, we're starting to go and uh, it's ending, <laughs> but we have a month. So, <laughs> you know, we have a sprint last night, really, really took it to another level. That atmosphere being there, I was like, "Holy crap!" Like, yeah, we're ready to go now. We're ready to finish it, this off. It in felt a big normal. Way. It felt normal. I mean, it looked know. normal with those fans there. I mean, yeah. like, oh man, it was that's, great. that's so, what you missed. So, thank you, Frankie, for that. Um, because that and was thank awesome. you to all those kids who showed up to watch the game. I mean, yeah. like, they don't have to do that on a, on a Monday night, and they all came out and did that, and that it speaks to the quality of baseball in the state. And kids are excited to get. Support their schools for anything. They so we talk about they haven't had fans. Students have not been able to go watch their classmates play sports at all. Like only parents have been able to go to a lot of games. So take, to have no, all these kids at a game is awesome. No, uh, no offense to parents. I'd rather take the kids at the game than the parents. <laughs> As a parent, I can say that uh, I probably agree with you. Mm. Um, anyway, a quick, quick, quick side note about being a parent. Not that I'm a parent and I'm not going to talk about being a parent, but my car's in the shop for the next two weeks getting fixed. I got into a fender bender, uh, two weeks. Yeah. A couple of weeks, a car, like a month and a half ago, someone hit me 
from yeah. uh, from behind on on a road, whatever. But it like did some damage to the trunk and everything, whatever. It's gonna take like a week or two. So I dropped my car off at the shop, and uh, I go to Enterprise right downstairs to to get my rental car. Uh, and I walk out with the guy. You know, we go over all my information. We walk out, and there's like a you know couple of nice cars. And he's like, that one needs an oil change. That one just got came back, has to be cleaned. That one is going out. And he points to the minivan. And I'm sitting there the whole time, like, don't, don't pick the minivan. Don't pick the minivan. <laughs> and he goes, oh, we'll get you right there in the Voyager. And I go, the minivan? <laughs> and he goes, it's not a minivan. It's a Voyager. And I go, no, dude, it's a minivan. <laughs> it is so big. It is so long. Like, I, I drive an SUV. Like, this thing is long. <laughs> And I'm, I got in the car and I'm like, I don't know. I pulled the first time I pulled into a parking spot. It was a big wide turn. I'm like, what am I? I mean, don't get me wrong. It's nice. Got two pilot seats, got a third row, automatic doors. But I was like, he's like, it's a Voyager. No, it's not, dude. It's a minivan. Oh my gosh. I got to see you driving this thing around. Oh, I love it. Uh, Sh- Sean McFarland tweeted out a photo last night. Oh, I got to go look. <laughs> All right. On that note, uh, for Pete, I'm Scott. We'll see you next week on High and Tight. Later.